G'day, I'm Darren Oakey. I'm Simon West. Welcome to the Aussie Wine Chat podcast series where we talk global distribution and sales with an Aussie perspective. And an Aussie accent. G'day, Simon. G'day, Tony. Darren, g'day. Hey, Darren. Hey, Simon. G'day, Tony. We've got Tony Battaglin with us today. Tony Battaglin is the CEO of Australian Grape and Wine, a veteran of uh, policy in and industry organisation in the Australian wine industry. And you've been pretty busy this week, Tony. Yeah, Darren, it's uh, been a hell of a week. I think I've said that a lot this year, but uh, this week's probably exceeded most of the previous ones uh, with the latest uh, China issues that have come directly on the wine industry of course there's a lot broader china issues that are issuing uh, affecting australia at the moment so if you'd like if you'd like i could give you a bit of a background of where we're up to just basically get the facts out in front of everyone i think absolutely yeah totally agree there Tony. all right so let's you've got to go back in history a little bit uh only a little bit and that is the fact that china launched an anti-dumping and countervailing duties investigations against australia back in August. Now, what that means is they said we we're dumping wine on their, their market and also the fact that subsidies were giving us an unfair advantage. The real issue about these investigations is not only does it say we're doing these things, but it also says that we're causing damage to the industry. And it's a very important distinction that both of those things have got to be proved in a dumping case. It's a really complex process you go through. So for all those who've been following it, uh, we had to read, people had to register if they were interested in participating. We had 31 registrants. Uh, that's a complex process in itself. Then of those 31 registrants, they decided that's too many to ask the questions, so we need to sample. So they had to fill in detailed sampling questionnaires. These questionnaires, 70, 80 pages, uh, probably, you know, 150-page responses, Uh, not insignificant, uh, timing of five days and seven days to complete them in Mandarin. So you can fair bit fair bit of work to go into those. Uh, these were completed. Uh, they were supplied back to the Chinese government around the uh, bus, basically around the tenth of November. Uh, then, within ten days of that, China has issued us with an interim duty. So what this duty is, it it ranges between one hundred and seven percent for one hundred and seven percent for one company to two hundred and sixty nine percent by two hundred and sixty nine. Sorry, I've, it's it's been a long week, guys. You do look you uh, do look uh, up this week, uh, Tony. You're looking uh, a bit exhausted. One hundred and sixty nine percent for Treasury One Estates, one hundred and sixty percent for Casella, one hundred and seven percent for Oswan, and two hundred and twelve percent for every other exporter from Australia. So this applies to everyone, not just those people. I guess so the, the one about this, it's only on bottled wine. So bulk wine is not involved in this process at all. Um, so we're just, we've got these, tar- these tariffs came into force immediately. So they are now in force. And of course, essentially that means it's very difficult to compete on the Chinese market. Good news is we've got 10 days to appeal this. The bad news is that it doesn't matter what we say in our appeal, we won't win. So I won't give anyone any false illusions about this. Uh, because this is an interim duty, it means essentially it's paid as a, at a bond as, as the product clears customs. So the importer will pay that bond. What that essentially means is that most importers will not take product from Australian exporters anymore because they don't think they can make margin at those levels. It's as simple as that. Uh, as I say, we got a couple of submissions. I, I look knackered because I am, um, and I'm working with a lot of lawyers, and that makes me tired and cranky So uh, and poor, as you'd know. So uh, those submissions will go in next week. Uh, as I say, 
you can't be so sanguine about getting an outcome. So that's where we are. I guess a lot of people ask, how long is this going to last? Well, this is an interim duty. It's a bond. It can last for four months or it can last for nine months. Again, it's the flexibility there. Uh, We're supposed to get a result on the anti-dumping case in 12 months' time. Uh, You don't have to be a rocket rocket scientist to understand that the outcome is not going to be good on this. If the interim duty is like this, you cannot expect the political situation to improve to change that. So we are looking at having this for something like four to five years unless there's a dramatic change in the situation, and that's the planning process we need to go through and are going through. So that's the situation where we're at now. Uh, happy to take, you know, you, you guys understand it probably better than most, but happy to talk about any issues before we talk about some of the other discussions we've been having with government and other people in the last few days. But Tony, what about wineries that have, have, have stock in transit on the way? I see Mitchell Taylor was quoted the other day as taking containers off a ship in Singapore on the way. But um, what, what about in transit? What about stock on the on the wharfs over there as well? How, how is that all faring at the moment? What are you hearing? Well, as you know, the uh, essentially we've had increased testing at the the border for since the I think it was the sixth of November. Uh, since then, I've only heard of a couple of containers actually gone through the increased compliance regime. So some containers are making it through. Of course, any containers that go through now doesn't matter when they arrived at the port, when they clear customs, we'll have to pay the additional duty. So that's obviously causing some problems for importers and exporters alike. We're hearing a lot of people are cancelling orders, suspending orders. And of course, uh, the Mitchell Taylor story is one that I've heard repeated. So people are transshipping and containers are on their way back to Australia as we speak. So um, I actually heard of one exporter today who managed to get a shipment cleared and didn't have to pay the extra duty. So right. how we did that, and I don't know. Mm, interesting. But that's that's uh, an isolated case. Now, um, Tony, this um, this is on bottles 1.5 litres and smaller. Is that right? Containers less than two litres. So any container, it doesn't have to be bottles, but any container that's uh, less than two litres. So if you had a three-litre bottle, if the, you want to bring back the flagon, uh, that's not caught up in this, but of course it'll be caught up in the border disruptions. Yeah, so that was that was my question. Has anything in a larger container or in a bulk container? Do you know whether or not that is clearing um, go, going into the country at the moment or not? Well, I haven't heard of any of the bulk shipments actually go through. I know some that are, have either arrived or on the water, but I haven't heard of any that have actually cleared customs. Okay. Okay, and, and I think it's fair to say as well for the listeners that um, consumer demand within China is still where, at the level it was at. There's been no waning of that. It's purely been at the border, at the gatekeeper to, to get it through. So that's um, that's disappointing to hear as well. Yeah, the consumers still love the wine and they're still looking for it and importers are very uh, distressed that they can no longer import from Australia. And that's been the clear message that has been sent down that, you know, look for other, uh, look for other you know, for them other markets to sell your wine. So they're, they're pivoting towards Europe and South America, uh, real opportunity for Chile, for example. Mm, absolutely. Okay, so um, you spoke about um, a series of opportunities to appeal. Uh, what are, tell me what, your, what the process is again. Just give us a little bit of detail. And, of course, uh, the, on Sunday the Minister started talking about WTO actions and some of those sorts of things as well. 
Yeah, so the appeals process, the next appeals process, we have 10 days from the 28th to get our appeal in. Basically, that is uh, looking against the interim determination. It's an 80-page document. Um, It's a pretty flimsy case, I have to say, and if you were in what you thought was a clear and transparent court of law, you would think we'd have a good case. Uh, I don't think we'd have a snowball's chance in hell, quite frankly. Uh, but we'll make the case and make the arguments because a lot of this is setting up the evidentiary trail uh, down the track. I mean, you don't you have to be very naive to don't not expect that there's a political dimension in this. This is not an economic trade argument. So we will put that in place. WTO is premature for us. So this is an interim determination. That's very rare. It's very rare that interim duties are imposed in a dumping case. So that's unusual. Um, WTA will come in when there's a, a full determination made. And we, of course, would be actively supporting that approach. WTO takes three years though. So yeah. And when you've got anti-dumping duties, they're in for five years. Hmm. Okay, so I think that that gives us a really fact-based summary of where we are. Uh, we, we really don't want to speculate too much about what's going on. Is there anything that we've missed that anybody who's listening to the podcast should know about what's going on in China at the moment? What's, what's, is AGW doing anything? Um, at the moment, you're going through the appeals process and then you're going to start working through whatever the legal processes are after that. Um, is there? Tell us about what else AGW is doing in this space at the moment. Yeah, so there's quite a lot happening. So on the, just on the technical appeals process, and the, the, because we're only at an interim determination, there will be a final determination made at some time. And, of course, the subsidies case hasn't even been uh, made a decision on, so that's something that we are still preparing submissions on. The the critical issue for us now is to have all the information we need to challenge the issues for the final determination on on dumping and that will also relate back to the subsidies case but in particularly is what injury has been caused to the chinese domestic industry by uh, allegedly dumped or subsidized exports now you've got to have these two tests if you're in a clear and open transparent process you have to not only show that dumping has occurred but it's caused material image Uh, damage to their industry. Uh, And there's simply no evidence to support that. So we're collating a lot of information on that at the moment. Otherwise, we are also probably there's, you know, there's a lot of press about uh, the buzzwords of diversification. Um, The government, we've been talking to both Minister Littleproud, Minister Birmingham and uh, and Senator Dunham. We had a meeting yesterday where we were talking about uh, prospects for diversification. My belief is that we all know how hard it is to diversify. And in fact, the wine industry is diversified. We, You know, we export to a lot of markets. So we're already there. The problem is even if you increase to every market by 15%, you still going to be 700 million in the red from China. You know, you cannot pick up that slack. So we must recognise that. So what our strategy is that we need to look in the long term. We want to have a 10-year partnership with government for investing in market access issues, developing new markets, yes, it needs a differentiated strategy for different markets for different demographics. I mean, people people oversimplify markets and think a market is a, is a geographical locality. It's not the case. Uh, you know, markets have a lot more in, in the specific 
areas within that that you need to target and it's different strategies depending on the market development and I, I'm not telling you guys anything. You know more about marketing than I, I will. So we're, what we're making very clear to government is we don't want a sugar hit. Um, yes, there might be people who will need some sort of support but if it's just support to prop you up for six months and with nothing to go to, then it's better to bite the bullet and go quick and look at for exit strategies in that sense. So that's very much where our discussions with government are at the moment. It's got to be long-term. It's got to look at new markets. And people laugh when I talk about things like India and Africa, but, you know, in 10 years' time, we're going to want to sell product there. And to get to that stage, it's going to take us five years to even get off first base. And that means you start now, you invest in it, you domestic uh, politically, you invest with industry. Uh, it means that we get on planes, they get on planes, and we work together on it because we can't do it alone and they can't do it alone. I, I think that's um, some wise words there, Tony, and, and I, I like the long-term approach. Um, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree with you on that. Um, is, is the federal government aiming at any markets in particular at the moment or is it still a little bit premature to be talking that? Yeah. It is premature. So in our disc, obviously there's some, well, there's some markets for us which are obvious targets, things like United States where, you know, we're underweight, we've been better, uh, it's got its all its problems with the three-tier system. We know that, the distribution system. But there are some markets like North America that are clearly there. There are markets we've neglected in Asia because we're all jumping on the China boat. So there are some specific markets, but what they want to do is work with us to come up with the strategy. So we've said them really clearly, and we're working with other industries. This has got this is all of agriculture that's involved in this. And 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 there are cross cutting issues that we need to address. So it's not just about throwing money on marketing. This is about those longer term access issues. So that that not, they have not identified anything. We are working with them to try and identify those markets. We're identif- we're working with the other agriculture industries, so the timber guys, the seafood people, um, the grains people, all those to pick out where we need to go and where the hard yards need to be fought. Fantastic. On a, on a lighter note, I'm actually quite enjoying the, uh, in the last couple of days the uh, Buy Australian Wine sort of um, uh, marketing that I've seen around the world. It's, uh, I've been sitting there. I saw CNN put out an article this morning, which is interesting. Someone sent it to me from the US. So uh, that's great. <laughs> Keep that up. Yeah, I was on CNN, so uh, I was... Oh, you were, were you? Oh, right. I didn't read the article. I just had it got it in my inbox here to read. Uh, unfortunately, Simon, I've been on just about every media outlet known to mankind in the last week. And it's now just, Aussie wine chat, the biggest. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know, as I say, this is the culmination of the week for me. <laughs> you know, when you've made it, you know, you do the, yeah. you do the, the sunrises, you do the credlins, you do that. But when you get Aussie wine chat, it's oh. just, it's just the bay's knees. Just reach Actually, the <laughs> just, just while we're talking about podcasts, uh, I'd like to put in a plug for what you're doing. Is it every Monday that you're putting something out, Tony? Oh yeah. Well, look, we're just trying to get it. I mean, overwhelmingly and which is what I like what you do on Aussie Wine Chat is that we find that people want to have a short sharp and shiny uh, update on where things are at uh, it's either visual or audio um, and you know we, we're doing enough every day and we're, we're not good at getting things out to people we're doing so much so it, it's good media for us people on the tractor I get a lot of people on the tractor actually listen to me which surprises me because you know I've been on a tractor many times when I was younger and you know, I'd rather do anything than listen to me, but, you know, especially me singing. 
So, yeah, it's just, just you know, like everyone, I think we're just trying to get out to more people in, in different media. I mean, no one wants to read stuff. But you're on YouTube, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. So YouTube, uh, once a week, uh, Australian Grape and Wine, 10 minutes, um, something to listen to on the tractor once you've caught up on Aussie Wine Trap. <laughs> we can never be as good, but, you know, we're just aspirational. That's the thing. We, we aren't, we're about continuous improvement at Australian Grape and Wine. Yeah, well, the guy who did our bobbleheads, he's available. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, two, you, two, uh, you two can be on a bobblehead. Um, so just I, I don't know if you'll know the answer to this, but there are some new laws coming out for businesses uh, that is a, an option to going into uh, administration. So, Simon, you might know the answer to this. I can't remember when those new laws are getting passed, but, you know, we, we did talk about how some companies are going to have to make some hard choices and there are... The laws, the laws obviously changed with COVID in terms of insolvent trading for directors, and it's worth reminding people that those laws are still in, those changes are still in place. Uh, but there is the new laws about trading out of um, trading out of insolvency. Do either of you know when those are going to be passed, or if they've been passed already? Tony, you're probably closer to it than me, but yeah. My understanding, they've already been passed, but I, honestly, I'd have to check on that, Darren, and maybe I can talk to you offline and you can tell your listeners at your next uh, Aussie wine chat, but uh, <laughs> it, it's a good point. I mean, there are people worried about their viability at the moment. I'm getting so many people concerned about what they're going to do next, and so many of those small, small exporters who exclusively work in China are just looking for a lifeline. Yeah, it's going yeah. to become a real problem, I think. Hmm. So, Tony, while we've got you here, um, and Simon and I recorded our year in review yesterday. That'll come out next week. Um, the the thing that's worrying me about that is everything changes so much this year that the entire episode might be redundant by the time we post it. This one will be going up um, before that one goes up. There's There's been a lot happening um, happening this year, what else is uh, what else do we need to hear about that the industry is doing um, as an ongoing project? Oh, look, there's so much happening um, that you know. While my life seems to be totally uh, involved with China at the moment, uh, some of the other things and there's some real risk risk factors out there. So things I'd really like to draw to your attention are things like ingredient and nutritional labelling within Australia. That is happening. It's coming this way. And we're in discussions with Food Standards Australia New Zealand at the moment on that. There's also a, a review of that whole um, organisation. Now, for those of you, and not everyone knows as much about regulation as unfortunately we do, um, Fazants are the, are the regulator. Uh, they set standards. There is a push for them to become a public health regulator. And as soon as they become public health rather than food safety, that means alcohol and all aspects to do with alcohol consumption go right on their radar and they become a policy setting body and an enforcer. So they become judge, jury and executioner all into one. So there are some real risk factors that we are um, trying to deal with at the moment that, you know, so there are, there are things coming down at us all around. The other, uh, other, some more positive news is, well, maybe not, but the EU and UK free trade agreement negotiations. Uh, obviously, there's not the UK FTA negotiations are going pretty well. 
and some of that will be to our advantage. EU is difficult with things like geographical indications which and Prosecco, which, as you know, is something close to my heart. Uh, I met with the Trade Minister yesterday and soon to be the Finance Minister entirely, uh, and he also pledged his support in his more senior role to keep Prosecco. So, uh, But uh, there's just so much happening, Darren. It's, it's, we just don't have time to talk about it, I'm afraid. No, I think it's just quickly the FTA, Tony. The FTA on the UK, it's an interesting one for me, but for the listeners, what can they expect out of that? potentially? Well, zero tariffs for a start. The big issues for us is to try and work out how we can make the UK still a trading hub so that we can send uh, wine in the UK, then re-export into the EU and vice versa, and how we can and get down some of those restrictive elements of their regulation. For example, you can't export bulk wine into the UK and carbonate it and produce wine at the moment. You're not allowed to do it. So there are a whole lot of technical issues around there. Um, the great thing about working with the UK is they're like-minded. Uh, they would like to set up as, as a trading hub and, and they know that we want to work with them. So it's for us, it's just about making that trade work better. Obviously, they've got a, a similar uh, issue, relationship issue with the EU uh, and that's a pretty poor relationship. So there are some benefits in that the UK are looking to buy Australian wine and it is resonating with them to help Australian wine because, you know, that old colonial thing apparently is still important. I'm an Italian, so it doesn't worry me. (laughs) (laughs) We don't talk about um, my heritage in public. (laughs) So I'm an Australian citizen now. That's all anyone needs to know. You've always been a bastard, though. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, We are not cut that. We are not going to cut cut that one out. That stays in. Um, (laughs) We keep we keep all our own bloopers, Tony. Uh, Actually, that's not quite true. Apparently, I've needed to be censored twice this year. Yeah, I don't even notice when I'm doing it. Actually, there is one more thing, and it's only because I have to leave in thirty seconds, so you'll have to wrap it up. Um, But. In West Australia, and not just West, all around the country, we're setting up container deposit schemes. Uh, wine is currently exempt in South Australia. Now, we it's pretty clear that this would add a lot to the cost of all businesses. Everyone loves the idea in theory that, you know, we're being more environmentally sound. Uh, wine bottles contribute less than 1% to the litter stream. So the, the environmental benefits from a CDS with wine is very little. Um, I'm just about to go into a phone hookup with the West Australian government uh, about wine product because their scheme is inconsistent with the others. But it is coming, a national scheme which will include wine, uh, and we need to be in a position. I think I think the industry now needs to start thinking about industry stewardship schemes and the next step on how we deal with the waste issue because otherwise we're going to be uh, on the back foot and once again we'll have something imposed on us. Excellent. Thanks, Tony. We'll let you go, Tony. Thank you very much again for joining us. We're going to stay on and briefly talk to each other about how much our heads are spinning after that. Yeah. I think I didn't think I told you anything you didn't know, but, look, thanks for having me on. And, and yes, you can keep the comment about the bastard. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Cheers, gents. Thanks a lot, Tony. Tony. See ya. Wow. I do feel like my head's spinning. There you go, you bastard. You oh no, we're <laughs> we're still we're still recording here, mate. Yeah. <laughs> He's been calling me that for a very long time. There you go. Um, he looked shattered, didn't he? Uh, he looked really tired. Um, I think I, I'd encourage anyone listening to today's podcast who 
needs to clarify what Tony just said, just go back and listen to it again and then maybe again because everything was in there. Uh, it is really quite uh, confusing. And I'd also like to say really distressing. And so uh, for... Um, you know, both Simon and I are really uh, distressed by what's happening and we know that producers are, many producers are even more distressed. So, you know, we just want to let you know that um, that we're feeling your pain, I think, is probably the only thing we can say. And, um, yeah, I think everybody's pulling together to help each other as much as they can in the wine industry. Well, I think it's fair to say, Darren, that, you know, there is the option of alternative markets, but it's just going to be a real slow burn and it's it's going to be there's going to be a, a lot of pain inflicted for a while yet well there's something there's something tony said at the beginning that's that's just a thread that's worth pulling on just a little bit which is that we have a tendency to look at markets from the top down and the the reality is and and this is something that with some of the work we're doing at the moment, we're really starting to look at markets from the from the bottom up. Markets are actually an aggregation of people who are doing something particular. So, you know, I'd really encourage people when they when they're thinking about their marketing now to start with who is consuming my wine, where are they consuming it, how are they accessing that wine, and thousands and tens of thousands of people who are doing a similar thing in a particular geographic place is what turns into a market for you you know the we've always said Simon the US is not a market and even right. even the cities within the US are, are not markets it's the channels and the customer experiences that create those markets so that's certainly a thread I'd like to pull out from what Tony said no and those those individual channels can satisfy you know the the demand the um the demand and supply of our wine as well. So we, we don't need to be looking at the US as a total market. Yeah. Specifically target one area and and um, you can probably do very well. Now, for anybody, for people who are looking at some short-term actions, uh, Norway came out with their new tenders this week. Uh, so it's worth, um, if you've got an agent in Norway or some connections there, There's it's sparkling, worth... Sparkling tender uh, for new world wines out of Ontario as well with the LCBO. Yeah, so... Put on their website, doing business with the LCBO. Doing business, LCBO, I think it is, .com. Yeah, it is. I'm on there. Mm. So definitely worth having a look at what's going on in those regulated markets in the short term at least. Okay. Okay. Well, this is our second last show for the year. We did record our last show for the year yesterday. Um, so next week you'll have our year in review. Uh, to be honest, uh, there's some there were some bright spots in the year, but it it was a pretty tough look back, wasn't it, Simon? It was. There's um, yeah, a fair bit of blood splattered. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, hope... Um, Everybody has a good break, and uh, I think we're all hoping to come back to a uh, feeling refreshed. I suspect all of Australia is going to have a slightly longer summer holiday than normal this year. You're about to head off on what I would call an excessive holiday. It is excessive, but it's been an excessive year, so I've got to have an excessive (laughs) So all the best. Thanks. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Uh, Thanks for joining us again for Aussie Wine Chat. I'm Darren O'Hemke. You can find me on hydroconsulting.com.au and on Twitter at Darren Owenke. And I'm Simon West. You can find me at fullglass.com.au.